Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's an honor to be here with you today, to have this privilege to worship together. And our, meeting, our meetings are important, and our time together is important. We come to lift up biblical truth and, and, and exalt Christ and raise up the Lord Jesus and say glory to His name. And it feels good to say that. You mean that from your heart. I, um, it's, I, I think that the teaching and the um, proclamation of biblical truth is vital to, to not only to our fellowship but our, to our society at large. It's, it's what we're built on. It's, it's really biblical principles that gave mankind the, the, well, just concepts like the sanctity of life. And that's a biblical principle, and, and marriage, and the family unit, and government, and so many things that we, and you all, even people who are unbelievers don't, well, don't disagree with that, and I, I, I just don't see how you can accept part and not take a hold of the whole, what, recognizing that these things are from God, and they're given us of God, and so we are all benefactors of that this morning. So, we want to proclaim what God has given to us in His Word, and 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 uh, I have a this uh, well a short passage of Scripture that I want to share with you this morning, and um, I've read this this week, and and it's it's touched my heart. It's I've been thinking about it a little bit, and I I believe that I I, I say and I believe in faith today that we need time to pray. I feel that way. I, I don't know about y'all, and sometimes you, you I, I'm a, I like to read the scripture. It's, I like to tell the story. That thrills me. I don't really like standing here and, and, and talking to you all in this group like that. But there's something inside that, that, that I, the, the story, the, the, the text, it's so good. It's like it, you, you, you get over that when you, when you realize this is so this is so good. It's so important. It's so necessary. So I want to um, share this with you. This is in the second chapter of Mark. <clears throat> came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat and in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so here in this passage, we see him eating, drinking, having interaction with publicans and sinners who the so-called righteous wouldn't have anything to do with. <clears throat> they, it was more of a class society, not regarding wealth or income, but regarding uh, moral stature, right? So, so those that were on the bottom weren't going to be, it's like, like the, and, and I know this is a little bit different, but the Samaritan woman says, Jesus, how is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, who am a woman, for one, of Samaria, too, it's like, this ought not to be, but Jesus was going right to the, the circumstance. And so he doesn't have problems dealing with sin. He, he can forgive clean sins. There's not any sin that is too great. He doesn't have any, That's not beyond his power. 
He doesn't even break a sweat forgiving sins. And you can have a stack of them. And maybe you've made a total mess. It's Jesus. And so he, he understands that. And then it, the scripture continues, and this is what it says. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filleth it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. Now, I'm, I'm no connoisseur of wine. I don't need to tell you all that. But I can presume, reading through this scripture, that they were probably not using glass bottles that are used commonly today. And whatever the circumstance was it, was, it was plain to these people. It was common knowledge that if you had new wine when it was made, it had to be put in new bottles. You couldn't recycle them. For whatever reason, they, that didn't work. It was like the old, the the old cloth, the new cloth, and the old garment. So, so that the the you're going to end up with a bigger hole than you had to start with when you go go doing that. So the two are not compatible. So you have the new wine, the old bottles, and the and and this doesn't work. New wine must be put into new bottles because if you'll notice, it says so the wine is spilled. And the bottles will be marred. So at the end, you don't have anything. You started out, I don't know if the old bottles were of any value, but it was better that when they're done putting new wine in them, they're of no value at all, and the wine is spilled. So I was thinking about that. What, what is he saying here? Now, he's speaking to Pharisees, and I understand that he's talking to them. There's a couple of applications here in this text. And one of them is that they were... He was bringing in a new way, right? That the, the, the whole ministry of Christ was bringing in a new dispensation of the Spirit. That the old law was not going to be incorporated into the new way. That was, that was the old. So the new way was going to have a new process and dispensation. That would be the New Testament church. There is also another application that I think is more appropriate for us this morning, and that's for every one of us here, is that it is individual. This is speaking on an individual basis. I know there's a macro and then there's a micro, right? And so the micro is what concerns you. And so that is what Jesus is telling you is that new wine, well, I'm not going to take the time this morning to get into it's all right, wine is a fascinating study in Scripture. It really is. It's all throughout. It has immense significance, and it, it, it's a lot to do with blood and, and the blood of Christ. And, and I'm not going to, the wine press and the whole, I'm not going to try to unpack all that right now. Um, maybe another time. It's good stuff. However, the new wine, right, 
You remember in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when, when the, the Holy Ghost comes and they said these men are full of new wine. Well, obviously there was some distinction between the new wine and the old wine. And, and I, I was talking to Renee about this and, you know, I'm not sure. Was it more potent? Was it more alcoholic? Or maybe it was less expensive and therefore more people were more likely to drink more of it. And that was, maybe that's the, Whatever it was, they recognized if these people are acting drunk, they used the phrase new wine. The irony is it was new wine. <laughs> but it was because Jesus used the phrase new wine. He used that to describe the spirit. So there's another intoxicating liquors and are sometimes called spirits. Now, there's a reason. I know there's a reason for that. They've got, you know, life in there. Right. Well, this is all integrated biblically. And, and it's bringing out a greater spiritual truth that the new wine is actually the Holy Ghost. It is not impure in any way. It is the, the new wine is the new life. So if you have a new, he's offering you new wine. He's offering you, so to speak, the spirit. That's what it is, the Holy Ghost. New wine cannot be put into old bottles. Okay, what is the bottle? Well, in this text, the bottle is you. It's your life. It's the thing that holds the wine. Right? It's the vessel that holds it. Well, that's us. That's our life before. And so the scripture, Jesus being very clear to understand that if you are going to partake of new wine, of the Holy Ghost, of the Spirit of God, of the real, the actual substance of God's holiness. If He is going to dwell inside of you, the old bottle is not going not to do it. They are incompatible. New wine must be put into new bottles, and then both are preserved. So, you're going to... This happened. The, the funny thing is it's lost on people because they'll try it. I'm going to try the new wine, but I'm not just holding on to some of the old. And it doesn't work. It's not going to work. Not a little bit of the old, none of it. It does not work. This is, if we can see this application here in physics, I mean, it's, it's not a hard stretch to look at it in spiritual terms. So we need to recognize and understand that when we're coming to God and every time we have an opportunity to seek God, right, or to pray to God, it is precious. When God reveals Himself and works with us, it's precious. It is, it is, it's not guaranteed every single day. So when God comes, He speaks to you, if He is working in your heart, that is a precious opportunity. But we need to understand that He is wanting to impart something new. It's something new. And the new, here's the difference in the, the old and the new. Well, there's a lot of difference. that are, It's manifest in a lot of different ways. But I think when you boil it all down is that the old life is a self-centered life and the new life is a Christ-centered life. Self and Christ. Now, you can say the old life is, uh, uh, well, it's, it's all the old lousy sins, right? Long list of them. And it may be that, certainly. That's not all of self. Self has many, many manifestations. And not necessarily are they all evil. They're not all bad. But it's still self. Self has a way of, of 
working in order to to be seen, right? To be noticed, to to be relevant, to be uh, approved, to to feel validated. That's self. It 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 works, and this is why pride is is so roundly condemned in Scripture, because it is in opposition. It is the old bottle. That's the old bottle. It's in opposition of the new wine. It's not going to hold it. So this is this is what the Scripture. There are many ex. Self is the desire for, well, it's whatever you want. That's, that's self. It's your interest, your desire, your life. And we have some prerogatives. We have freedoms. And, and we want to, you know, do what we want to do and live our own life. And that's, we have the, and, and I'm thankful that we're in a country that gives us the liberty to do that. But just because you have the liberty doesn't mean it's a good idea. Just because something is true doesn't mean you have to say it. It might not be the best idea to say. So we have, we, have, we have liberty, but we also have restraint. And that's what God's Spirit does. It's, it's helping us. <clears throat> There's another manifestation of self. And I want you to understand this. Can be just as, this is just as much self as anything else. On one hand, you think it's pride, it's arrogance, it's conceit. It's, it's also, maybe it's... Um, self-loathing maybe it is I am not as good as I don't have that gift I can't do that I'm not well I don't measure up I don't stack up I can't I'm not I it's it's still I it's still I it is not Christ-centered and you may feel really bad and, and go the opposite direction and and want nothing to nobody to see and nothing to do but it's still self that's still the old bottle. And so we need to recognize that the enemy uses all of these things. Anything that is in your, you know, whatever your self-interest is, and it may, it's going to be a wide variety of manifestations of that, but it's still self. And so when we accept this text that, that, that Christ is trying to bring a new, new wine and that it must be put into new bottles, and then both are preserved. Then you have this, this, then they have this precious substance, right? Maybe I should say this while I'm here, and I didn't intend to say this, but people ask me from time to time why we don't drink wine. Jesus drank wine, his disciples drank wine. In fact, there's a verse in Timothy, I believe, that says, drink no longer water. But use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine oft infirmities. Now, this is, a, uh, this is coming from a, a, a culture where they had no refrigeration. Okay? And wine was used to preserve. It was safe to drink. And the process of fermentation and the alcohol that was produced kept it safe. And you didn't have refrigeration. Think about that. No freezers, no ice. Didn't have, wasn't a thing. They're in the Mediterranean. Where are you going to get it? So, so water breeds bacteria and contaminates very rapidly. So this is what I presume that he's exhorting this young man, this minister Timothy, to not make himself sick over trying to observe the letter of the law, right? It's, it's like if you're going to 
it's just going to make you sick and take you out of the ministry. You're going to be all right. One thing that is condemned from one end to the other in Scripture is drunkenness. 100%, no exceptions, Old Testament, New Testament, one end to the other. Drunkenness. Now, if, if there's somebody here that comes from, maybe was born in rural France and drank wine when you were six years old with a meal, I don't know about it, but this crowd right here, <laughs> and for, for our life and this culture in which we live, we have plenty of opportunity to abstain from all appearance of evil, and I don't have to tell you that. And if you're making a, a, a health argument that, well, alcohol is toxic to the body, if you get any benefits from wine, it's from the process of fermentation, and there's other ways to get that. So. We're going to play it safe. We're, we're not going to try to see how close to the line we can get. Because let me ask you, what is drunkenness? I mean, the law has a, they have to draw a line somewhere, I guess. I don't know. But I'm not going to find out. All right. Let me get to 2 Timothy chapter 2. All right, I want to say, that I'm just going to share a portion of Scripture here, and, and again, we're, we're going to go to prayer, because I want to, I want to get to that today. One thing that when, when the new man, all right, when, when the new wine is put into new bottles, and you have this sense of completeness, and, and Christ, is, Christ, is, Christ is in us, and we are in him. I in him, thou in me. It is, it is like, it is in whole and entire. So he is in us, and we are in him. There, there is a spirit about that. The new wine has a spirit about it that does not strive. It's not competitive. See, that's self. That's the old, that's, that's right. self is competitive. <laughs> it wants to, it, I mean, you see that when you drive past somebody on the road. And they're, they're just going along, and you get over and you start going, by, there they go, pull up, right? I don't know what that, it's just, it's just a, a reaction. It's a natural reaction. And that has a lot of manifestations, right? Everybody wants everybody to do well as long as they're not doing better than they are. <clears throat> so, the servant of the Lord must not strive. Must not, must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. How you do that? You think you're working in your own interest all the time. How do you oppose yourself? Self? It's, it's, it's a device of the enemy. It's in opposition of you. You've been deceived to thinking that this is best for you because it's what you want. So in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance into the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. That's the catch. It's the snare of the devil. So it looks like, it makes you feel like this is your... This, you're going your own way. You're doing your own thing. It's, it's, I'm, because it's self. But it's actually not even, it's not good for you. 
It's not in your best interest. That's the way that leads to destruction. Many there be which go in thereat, and straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth into life. So what's the solution? How do you get new wine? Well, like I said, it's in the new bottle. It's the full surrender, the commitment of your life, of all of you, all that is you, and, and all your desires, and all your interest in who you are, and you're not interested in being relevant or noticed. Or it's, it, None of that begins to matter anymore because Christ becomes a center and then you can as he as he is in the, was in this world a servant unto all men and you can go about your life with a totally different perspective that it is Christ on the ends Christ is the is the glory and as long as he has the glory then that makes you happy and you find yourself very content and and this is just naturally wired into us i mean there are secular studies who are going to show that people who are engaged in meaningful work are far happier and more satisfied with their life than someone even though they maybe they're filthy rich and just engaging in pleasure they're they're not content like someone who is engaged in in helping someone else i mean that's natural that's so how much greater when you get that on the inside not just in engaged in a in a physical work but when that comes your your real desire and your real motive and that's the gospel that's what he can do for you and it doesn't come with hanging on to the old life. So what I'm, what I'm saying, I guess we get down to the end of this, is the biggest opposition to us is us. Amen. Really. That's what threatens the church. That's what threatens the, to derail the gospel. There's no power on earth that can stop. It's not some atheist professor in a university somewhere. It's not. That's not our biggest threat. Maybe it's, maybe, but it's not our biggest threat. That's us. It's getting in the way of what God is trying to do. And so if we can recognize that and ask him to, uh, for a, um, a to, to give us the spirit from heaven and make us vessels to hold it, just to carry it around, and it's precious, right? It's some, you don't want to spill it. It's, it's just something that's of, of immense value. I believe it was brother read uh, yesterday about that that it was a, like a treasure hidden in a field right and it was like the merchant seeking goodly pearls he found one pearl of great price and he sold all that he had and bought it so what I'm saying is whatever your own wherever your life's taken you and, and your own interests are carrying you reconsider that and recognize that self is not doing you any favors it's not helping you get where you want to go it's just a it's just a um, it's just a it's a dangling carrot that's always moving out in front of you, and and we got to be careful about self, and I mean us, everybody. It's it's got a way of getting back into getting back into things, and you stay sacrificed to God and keep Him first, and realize that you are completely dead. You are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God, and He is resurrected, and He is on the throne. Oh, what a beautiful life it is! You know, there's a hymn. I, I wasn't planning to. I, this was on my mind this morning. Oh, I almost forgot about it. Um, it's called Sanctified Life. I think that we can. I think I want to, uh, as we call prayer, I want to sing this. And um, that's it. That was, the, that was the line. I was singing that this morning to myself. Self has been slain and the old man is dead. Sweet victory is mine all the time. That's the only way to get it. So I don't, I can't, does anyone have the number? 
305. Everybody turn to 305. Let the congregation stand. We were going to have prayer this morning. Anyone that needs to pray, come forward. We're going to, as we sing this hymn.